Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. As a mom in the early 2000s, Julie Rank loved children and often took foster kids into her care. This is just one example of Julie's compassionate nature. Julie was also working as a nurse. She is described as the type of person who truly thrives on taking care of others. Julie was also struggling with her health during this time. She had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and she used an insulin pump. She was also suffering from a condition known as adhesive capsulitis, which is also known more commonly as frozen shoulder. This condition left her with chronic pain, although she wasn't letting it slow her down. In 2005, Julie and her husband at the time would divorce. They had two special needs boys together, and Julie continued to be a devoted mother. Almost immediately, Julie remarried a man by the name of Craig Early. Their marriage started out good, but soon those closest to Julie noticed her change. At one point, she even went to get a protective order against Craig, telling her family that she was afraid of him. Craig said all of that was ridiculous and denied that that was ever said or happened. On May 21st, 2012, Julie spoke to a few friends that morning. That afternoon, Craig had an argument with one of Julie's sons who was hoping to visit for Memorial Day weekend. Craig didn't want any visitors. That afternoon, Craig would leave to go to work on a roofing job. When he returned that evening, Julie wasn't home. He noticed some of her meds and personal belongings were missing, so he thought she just left for a bit. When she hadn't returned, by May 30th, nine days later, Craig reported her as missing. Where is Julie Rank early? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing persons case. This case takes us to the town of Trotwood, Ohio, a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. The story of Julie is heartbreaking and frustrating. Her family and friends fear the worst, but hope for the best. To date, Julie has not been found. Before we dive in, a quick announcement. We are running a short-term fundraiser with a limited edition t-shirt and long sleeve shirt for sale. The link to that can be found in the notes and over on our social medias. This limited edition sale will run through the end of February and will benefit families of the missing. We will share those results in March. Of course, all of our links to our socials and my contact information can always be found in the show notes. Let's jump in to Julie's story. Julie Rank was born July 20th, 1961. I can't tell you what her childhood was like, but I can tell you as an adult, Julie is described as very caring. She thrived on taking care of people. Julie worked as a nurse and she soon became a foster parent in addition to her responsibilities as a mom of two boys. 
She suffered from a few different medical problems. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and she used an insulin pump. She also had a condition known as adhesive capsulitis, which is commonly referred to as frozen shoulders. In addition, Julie wore glasses and she was said to be nearly blind without them. You would never see Julie without her glasses on. None of that held Julie back, however, or dampened her spirits. She was always said to be kind-hearted and friendly. Julie had married and had two sons, both of whom would be diagnosed with disabilities. In 2005, Julie's marriage would end in divorce. She remarried soon after, a man by the name of Craig Early, but that marriage would be filled with problems. In 2012, Julie was still working as a nurse. She was 50 years old and her boys were now young adults. She had confided some of her marital problems to her family and friends, although Craig said there were no such problems at all. Many of these problems, according to her family, revolved around the issue that Craig had anger problems and could be violent. There were many positives in Julie's life, too. She had just bought a home in Trotwood, Ohio, a suburb of Dayton, Ohio, and she and Craig were living there. She had medication to treat her illnesses, and she was managing them as best as she could. Soon after the purchase of the home, however, things in Julie's life would change. The Disappearance On Monday, May 21st, 2012, Julie's day started out fairly normal as far as we know. She spoke to a few people on the phone that morning and nothing seemed amiss, according to them. Julie seemed perfectly fine. Later in the day, Craig got into an argument with one of Julie's sons over the phone. The entirety of this argument isn't clear, but what's been reported is that her son wanted to come visit for the upcoming Memorial Day weekend, but for some reason, Craig didn't want him to. We don't know any other details about that call or that argument. We also really don't know Julie's reaction to that argument or that phone call. Around 3.30 p.m., Craig left the home to go work on a roofing job that he was doing. Julie was still in the home. When Craig returned that evening, Julie was not home. He did notice that her purse was missing along with some of her medication and her curling iron. Initially, he said that he believed someone had picked her up and she was staying somewhere else, something she had done before, especially after an argument. At some point, he also noticed that $6,000 was missing. This just further convinced Craig that Julie had left on her own accord. However, when May 30th came, and there was still no word from Julie, Craig made the decision to report his wife missing. Julie had not been seen or heard from in nine days. Julie Early had disappeared. The Search As mentioned earlier, Craig said that he hadn't been alarmed at first because Julie had done this before. Her family disagreed with this, however. Not only would Julie cease contact with everybody that she knew, she certainly wouldn't disappear and not talk to her sons. And after speaking to family and friends, no one had any idea where Julie could even be. 
Craig was interviewed by law enforcement multiple times, and he was asked to take a polygraph, but he declined, stating that he did not believe in them. The home was searched, and the only evidence found was a couple of very small blood spots in the garage. They were swabbed for testing, but those results were inconclusive. Apparently, they were too small, and they were unable to produce any results. And really, a couple of drops of blood in a garage doesn't seem that unusual. However, Julie's family was now becoming increasingly suspicious of Craig. The woods surrounding their house were also searched, but again, nothing to lead them to where Julie might be. They just found nothing. Meanwhile, Julie missed her son's 21st birthday. And while many were clinging to the hope that maybe, just maybe, Craig was right and Julie needed some time away on her own, they knew that she would never miss her son's birthday. But the search for Julie was tough. Where does one even look? There weren't many clues to go on. There wasn't a trail to follow. It was just as if she vanished into thin air. Craig continued to state that he thought Julie had probably left on her own accord, that someone had picked her up, and that he also thought that that someone was likely to be her ex-husband and that her ex-husband was helping her through this process. Her ex-husband denies all of this, however. He believes that Craig knows more than he is saying, as does Julie's family and law enforcement. But authorities continued to find no signs of Julie anywhere. Craig stated that he knew that she took some of her medication with her and that she took $6,000 cash, but that her medication prescriptions were never refilled. But after time, that medication would run out and those prescriptions were never refilled. This was the main catalyst for authorities listing her disappearance as endangered missing. There was also no record of her utilizing any bank or credit cards. It is unknown if she had a cell phone that could be traced. Julie's family also came out publicly to let everyone know that Julie had accused Craig of being abusive to her. She had allegedly filed at one point for a protective order against him, and she told her family that she was afraid of him, that she thought he was dangerous and violent. Craig, however, denies all of that. Months go by and soon years with no signs of Julie. In 2015, now three years later, her family and Craig go on to the Dr. Phil show to share their stories. Julie's family makes their thoughts known, and Craig continues to proclaim his innocence. Craig also goes on to say that he thinks Julie is still alive and that her ex-husband was involved in her disappearance. Dr. Phil presents a copy of the protective order to Craig, the protective order that Julie had taken out on him just before her disappearance, and he claims it was a misunderstanding. In that order, however, Julie documents that she believed Craig was dangerous and that she was afraid. Craig, however, continues to deny, 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 and says he is not dangerous and he never was. He also says that now he believes that she probably did not leave of her own accord, or at least she didn't stay away of her own accord. Because even though she took her purse, some medication and money, oh, and her curling iron, She left behind all of her personal photographs, and she had been excited because they had just bought this house that they were living in, in Trotwood. Trotwood, Ohio. 
Trotwood, Ohio is a larger, small town. The population is just over 20,000 residents. It is a suburb of the larger Ohio city of Dayton. In fact, Dayton is just about eight miles to the east of Trotwood. Notable landmarks in that area include the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. The larger Eastwood Lake is about 12 miles away. Wolf Creek runs through town. And there is the 2,300-acre Sycamore Woods State Park nearby also. Are any of these locations significant to Julie Early? Are any of these locations significant to Craig Early? Trotwood itself is very much a town, but it is surrounded by parks, woods, and rivers and creeks. Wolf Creek runs through Trotwood and is described as a popular fishing spot in a scenic creek that visitors like to take walks by. By looking at Google Maps, the creek doesn't look huge. In fact, it looks relatively small as it runs through Trotwood, but it is surrounded by trees and brush in many of these areas, completely concealing the water from view in most places. Eastwood Lake is about 10 miles from Trotwood and is part of the Five Rivers Metro Park System in Ohio. The lake is a mile long and covers over 180 acres. I tried to find information on the depth and the water temperatures of the lake, but what I did learn is that it's a lake that presents certain dangers because it gets deep very quickly from the shoreline. In 2019, there was a drowning death of a teenager in which the safety of the lake was called into question. According to the website, Eastwood Lake is described as a metro park hub of outdoor recreation with a variety of water-based recreational activities as well as land-based recreational and leisurely activities. The park offers visitors many opportunities to actively experience nature without leaving the city. There is also the John Wolf Park right in Trotwood, which seems to offer picnic and play areas for children and families. This park was also close to Julie's home, just about a mile and a half away. Park does sit back off the road a bit, and it does have a pond. Now, I wasn't able to find some good photos of the interior of the park itself, specifically the pond area. So if you are local and familiar with that area, I would love to hear from you. Julie, along with Craig, lived in a home on Molane Avenue. This is a residential street with houses that sit pretty close together. There are sidewalks, not much cover, pretty open, meaning anyone coming and going from a house there would be easily seen. What stands out to me, however, is that Craig didn't report Julie missing for nine days. By that time, people's memories fade. I certainly couldn't tell you if I saw a neighbor nine days ago. I barely even remember what I was doing nine days ago. We know that Julie was at home on the morning of May 21st, 2012. She indicated this to multiple friends that she spoke to on the phone. Craig said she was home when he left the house at 3.30 p.m. to go to work, but when he returned home, she was gone. He believed she had gotten picked up. So did she get picked up by someone else, a friend or someone she knew during that time in broad daylight in her neighborhood? It certainly wouldn't raise any red flags to anyone seeing her get into someone's car willingly. And this was back in 2012. Ring doorbells weren't publicly available until 2014. And then it even took several years for them to gain popularity. So she could have easily gotten to a car unnoticed and left. But with who? And would Julie really leave her family, especially her sons? 
I wanted to look into that area and specifically the other missing person cases from Montgomery County, Ohio. I know Ohio has what is referred to as a couple of hot spots for missing person cases. Montgomery County just might be one of those hot spots. I covered the case of Chelsea Coe before, a 25-year-old young woman who vanished in September of 2017. And back when I was researching her case, it came across a few others that some speculate may have been linked. Amber Flack vanished from the area in September of 2016, and Melinda Miller went missing in February of 2017. When all of these women started disappearing, and there are more, talk began of a possible serial killer in the area. By the way, all three of those women I mentioned are still listed as missing, and their cases have not been solved. Julie Early went missing from Montgomery County. However, she did disappear in 2012, a full four to five years before Amber Flack, Melinda Miller, and Chelsea Coe. And I thought here that I would let you know the names of all the missing women, especially in Montgomery County, but that seems to be a podcast episode all on its own. According to Montgomery County Sheriff's Department, there are 51 unsolved missing person cases in the county. 34 are under the age of 18, children and teens, and 17 of them are adults. Is Julie's case connected to any of these other disappearances, or is it more likely completely unrelated? I know everyone involved has their theories, and there does seem to be one main prevailing theory, but I do suppose at this point we just can't really rule anything out if the case is unsolved. So what questions do we have about Julie's disappearance? First, was Craig's alibi confirmed that he was indeed at a roofing job on the afternoon and early evening hours of May 21st, 2012? If he was there, was there anything that anyone noticed about him? Did he seem normal? Did he look normal? Was there anyone else in Julie's life that may have presented a threat to her? Who else did she know and associate with? Craig had also claimed that she took $6,000 cash. Was this cash that was kept in the home or was it taken out of the bank? And can anyone confirm that this money existed? What questions do you have about Julie's disappearance? Let's get people talking about Julie and let's spread the word about her disappearance. Authorities do believe that Craig knows more than he is saying. And they also believe that he likely told other people. The key in cracking this case is someone coming forward with that information. Someone out there knows something. There isn't much more in the way of factual details out there in Julie's case. And I think partly because there just wasn't much evidence found to work with. And she seemed to live a pretty low key lifestyle. I do want to point out some other additional sources in her case if you'd like to check them out for more information. Dr. Phil did an episode on Julie's case in which Julie's family was featured along with Craig. Dr. Phil confronted Craig with some tough questions, even the protective order Julie requested against him. But Craig maintained his innocence and stated that he believed that Julie was still alive, but likely not staying away of her own accord. This episode aired in May of 2015 and is labeled as Season 13, Episode 161, if you'd like to search it out. The Unfound podcast also aired an episode 
featuring Julie's story in which Julie's sister was interviewed. This episode aired in June of 2018, and it is titled Julie Early, A Lethal Combination. You can find the podcast by searching or visiting the podcast website at theunfoundpodcast.com. The family also set up a Facebook group called Missing Julie Early. Please go join the group and show your support to the family. Julie is described as a Caucasian female standing five foot four inches tall and weighing around 135 pounds when she was last seen in May of 2012. She was 50 years old then and would today be 62. Julie has sandy blonde hair and green eyes. She suffers from type 1 diabetes and a painful shoulder condition. She also wears glasses and is said to be almost legally blind without them. You would not see Julie without her glasses on. Anyone with any information on the whereabouts of Julie Early or what may have happened to her on that May afternoon in Trotwood, Ohio, please contact the Trotwood Police Department at 937-854-3988. Thank you so much for listening to Julie's story today. Let's keep her name out there and keep spreading awareness about her disappearance. If you'd like to help, please share Julie's story on social media, share any way that you can. We can also get more ears on Julie's story as well, simply by you following our podcast, leaving us a five-star review, and following our social media pages. All of those links will be in the show notes. Another reminder that our February fundraiser is up and running and will end on February 29th. This offers a limited edition t-shirt and long sleeve shirt with funds being distributed to the families of the missing. Check out our social media for more information, links, and photos. I'll also have that link in the show notes. We are looking to do something different each month to help these families. If you have any suggestions or ideas, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Also, if you have any case suggestions, please send them my way also. It's those little known cases that I am after, and I need your help to find those. Thank you again for tuning in to Julie's story today. I am fully convinced that someone out there knows something. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.